Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Well, I'm so thankful to be here with you guys this morning. And we're going to open up with some prayer just because I love I love to hear what the Lord's saying. So, Father, right now we just turn our affection to you. No matter where we're at, whether we're on our couch or we're in the shade or we're in the sun section, we turn our affection to you. And we just thank you that you are so good. And I thank you that you have a word for us today. You have something to commission Bethel Atlanta into. And I thank you that really as Bethel Atlanta, we have an apostolic mission to step into a wound, to step into uh, places that are hurting, who are broken, and bring healing and restoration, and bring your love and your mercy and your grace. And so I just thank you for this amazing family. And I thank you for an amazing city that you've given us, Lord. And I thank you that you came for us as an individual, but you also came for cities, for nations. You came to establish your kingdom of heaven on earth. And you came and you said, when you did it on the cross, Jesus, then you empowered us as believing believers to do it through you as little Christs, as little Christians. And so we just thank you that we are a community who is just running after you, who is following you with everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's, it's, it's great to, to see you guys. It's fun to be with you in person. And we're gonna be in Luke uh, 11 today. So if you wanna turn there, that'd be awesome. But before that, I just want to share a quick testimony I heard two weeks ago. And I, I love testimonies because it's just the Lord, do it again. Just do it again. And, and it was the end of one of our services. I believe it was about two weeks ago. And a gentleman was putting, uh, how many of you are sitting in camp chairs right now? Wave to me if you're sitting in camp chairs. Love all the camp chair people. And uh, he was putting his camp chair away. And I think um, I was closing uh, the end of service that time and I had a word of knowledge that there's pain in somebody's back that's connected to their kidney. Somehow there's pain and that's all I said. And he told his friend as he was putting his camp chair, he heard that word and he said, wow, that's for me. He didn't come up for prayer. The Lord immediately touched him right there and he ends up telling his coworker a couple days later, when that word of knowledge got called out, I completely got total healed. And now it's been two or three weeks and he's had no pain related to his kidney at all. So thank you, Jesus. This is, this is the business that we're in. It's just bringing signs, wonders, and miracles. It's part of our mandate because it was Jesus's mandate and he gave it to us. Today, I felt honestly stirred and convicted, and it was really for uh, this one reason. Uh, I think it was back in March or February, I could be getting the time wrong, uh, Lindy Hale received a dream. How many of you guys love Lindy Hale? L Lindy and Steve, we adore them. 
the founding pastors of Bethel Atlanta. They are just such incredible mothers and fathers in our environment. And Lindy, I, I love her gift. She just receives dreams, like multiple dreams almost every night, just hearing from the Lord for us. And so she had this dream, and I'm going to read the dream in a moment. And you know, we kind of went, went through this season just even dealing with this virus. And, you know, us as a community, we're kind of um, rallied together just in prayer to see an end to this virus. And it was around uh, Passover. We thought we, we, we were just expecting this great shift. And there had been other prophetic words from prophets in our nation that there was going to be a shift and an end to this virus. And... We haven't seen that yet. And so honestly, the, the conviction that came over my heart is that Bethel Atlanta, in some ways, and this may not be, this isn't for everyone. Some of you may be faithfully just interceding, praying in to the end of this virus. But there was a conviction that came over me last uh, week when we saw some numbers rise. And I'm just like, huh, I left my post. We left our post. Us as watchmen and those that are called to pray from heaven towards earth. Um, and it was, it was convicting to me. And I felt like I, we left our post. And I, I feel like this is a day for to get back on our post. And I'm really calling us as, as those that prayer, pray from heaven towards earth to see something end. And, you know, if you've ever been around somebody... Uh, that's looking for breakthrough and has a word about breakthrough, and then there's massive resistance. We've all experienced this thing called hope deferred in our lives. As a believer, you've experienced this. If you've not, you've probably been saved for a day, which we're thankful you're here. Keep on going. Keep hope alive. And... I, I feel like we want to we wanna see hope restored. And one of the ways to do that is by testimony. But another way to do that is by receiving what the Lord said, especially from an apostolic position, to actually stand from in, in heaven to declare what God is wanting to do on the earth. And so I'm going to read this dream that Lindy had. And I just want to remind you guys of somewhat our position as Bethel Atlanta. Some of the things that we're called to do as a family. And I love, I, I love the community of God that, you know, we are individual members of a body. And there's moments where we'll have a member call, just an individual call. They'll be personal. It'll be for you to fulfill. It'll be for you to walk out to bring heaven to earth. At other moments, there's actually the, an apostolic uh, call that goes out. And it's for a community, a group of brothers and sisters to partner with heaven, to see something happen in a city, in a nation. And that's some of our call here. So let me just read the dream to you. So Lindy had this dream. She said, I was walking with the Lord in the Garden of Eden. As I walked, every bush, every flower, and every tree was flowered with a red flower, which I knew in the dream represented the blood of Jesus. The, flower, the flowers were all over the place, like when your feet are walking through petals uh, and they're falling uh, from the trees. It was absolutely beautiful. This is all in her dream. Then, then Jesus said, I want to give you this. 
And it was a statue of the Virgin of Guadalupe. As I was walking through the garden, my name was banning. Then the dream ends. This is the dream. Dreams are really weird. The Bible's weird. The kingdom's weird. And so sometimes we have to line up and hear what the Father's saying. So uh, we feel like the Lord has given us something uh, strategic about this dream. And the first place was, there's no coincidence that her name was Banning. And the word Banning actually means son of the slayer, to ban, to prohibit, to forbid, to veto. And uh, our friend Banning Leipzig from Jesus Culture, amazing man of God, he has an apostolic call in his life. And I, as soon as I heard Lindy say this back in, I think it was March, I'm like, the Lord is releasing an apostolic mandate for Bethel, Atlanta to begin to sit in the heavens and say no to this virus. To put a ban on this through prayer, through intercession, through, we've already heard what he said, now it's our turn to stand in a gap and begin to do something for a nation. That's a, that's a, a lovingly heavy call. <laughs> and the thing is, that's not just for me. An apostolic call is not just for an individual. What the fivefold is supposed to do, what the apostolic is supposed to do is release grace to the body to stand up and act differently. This is what apostles do. I love in Acts 2 where it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And in that context, and I love this about what the apostolic does. In that context, there's local responsibility when an apostolic uh, dream, an apostolic word, an apostolic prophetic word, a message goes out. There's a, there's a response from you and I as the people of God to line up with what the Lord's saying. It's actually an adjustment. And so I, I immediately knew that this is an apostolic dream. We are called as Bethel Atlanta to line up as one and begin to pray from heaven towards earth that there'd be a ban on this virus. <clears throat> the second part of the dream, the Virgin of Guadalupe, uh, in 1737, she was a symbol of the end of a plague that happened in Mexico. And this plague abrupted endly, um, um, uh, 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 ended abruptly. It, there was a fast end to this plague that happened in Mexico. And she was a symbol in that time in the 1700s of the end of this plague. And then second of all, uh, also she was a symbol of a revival that happened in Mexico in the 1800s uniting the Spanish and native people in restoration. What's been going on in our world right now? What's been going on in America? What's the two things you hear more than anything else right now? This virus and seeing restoration come to our black American friends. This is part of our call. And when we have a mandate that goes out like that, we get to position our hearts first in intercession and in prayer. And so, and then second, uh, or pardon me, third, the Garden of Eden is a symbol 
of uh, not just a symbol, it was a real place where heaven and earth were already combined. It's why such heavenly activity was going on. It's one of the reasons you see the enemy, you see uh, the adversary showing up looking like a serpent. Do you remember all the weird, obscure, uh, uh, heavenly creatures we read about throughout the Bible? The cherubim and the, the seraphim and the, you know, like four-headed creatures. Well, that was a place that was looking like the throne of heaven and where earth actually collided. It was where heaven and earth actually met, which is, is the original design of what God created for us to ultimately have perfect unity. And then we know what happened in chapter three of Genesis. It's what had already happened with uh, some of the angelic beings that rebelled, they set up pride. They said, I want to be like God. And more than that, they said, I am God. And this was the great sin uh, in the garden and the great uh, deception. And so in, in the garden, there's a representation. She was walking and what the, the new covenant has done through Jesus, through the blood of Jesus was set up us being seated in heavenly places to begin to destroy the works of the devil. Because remember, God and the devil aren't on equal playing field. The devil is not God's adversary in an equal match. There's no competition there. There's no competition with God and the devil. At any time, he could have said, bye devil, and he wouldn't exist. The adversary is against you and I. It's against us. It's not against God. Because there's nobody that can be against him. It's actually impossible. <laughs> there's no, no fight there. He wins. He's always won. <laughs> it was against us. That's why he deceived man. So... What we're coming, so this dream was super significant for a posture of your and my, uh, my heart towards a position of what we're supposed to go after in this season to see an end to something happening. So I want to read in, in Luke 11. So it says in Luke 11, starting in verse 1, now Jesus um, praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his um, disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sin. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And then he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me for the door is shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give him anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. 
For everyone who asks receives, and to the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be open. What father among you of his son asks for a fish? Will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you, everybody say this with me, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit to those who ask. So there was one more part of that dream that I need to mention Uh, Lindy was saying that it was like she was walking hand in hand with the blood of Jesus covering her and she knew that meant intimacy with the Father. And I I really wanna call us to a a few different ways of intercession of prayer in this season. One is persistent prayer. And persistent prayer looks massively different It means you persist. (laughs) And we see this all through the Bible. It looks like man's telling God what to do. It's not that. Yet it's persistent. It's like, you said this, God. You said for Bethel, Atlanta to stand in the gap for this virus. You said, God, we want to see an end to this, a ban on this. We want it to end. We want an abrupt miracle like happened in the 1700s where all of a sudden it was wiped off the face of the earth. We're looking for a miracle, guys. We're looking for heaven to show up. We're not looking for just some some cute cure. I love that. We want that too. But I'm looking for heaven to show up. It's like when cancer leaves. It's like that person with pain where pain is gone. This is what we're after, guys. This is that we're standing in the gap for this type of intercession. And this is not just the intercessors, guys. There's moments where I don't feel called to inter- intercession. You're called. Because <laughs> you're part of God's kingdom. And when an apostolic call goes out, we respond. We respond to that kind of call. So I just don't feel like it. And again, don't say, so. I was a hard one. We were leading those three days of prayer during this time and we were taking communion every day as a community. I don't know how many of you joined me on, on that. You know, the whole goal was to back up this kind of prayer. Was to stand in the gap. And so this persistent prayer, and I love his answer to persistent prayer. You know what the greatest answer of all to persistent prayer is? The Holy Spirit. (laughs) The Holy Spirit. Again, and I love that so many of us have the testimony of, yeah, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I've had power come out of my life. I've spoken tongues. I've prophesied. I've seen miracles happen. I've seen all this stuff. But I don't know about you, but I need more. There's a heart posture to the more of heaven. There's a heart posture and there's a hunger that goes out when we say, God, we have to have more. Because what's happening in our society right now is not okay. We need more. We need more. And so Bethel Atlanta has had some super specific calls. We've been called as a banning. I want you to say, my name is banning. I'm called to put a ban on this thing. Come on, say it with me. I'm called to put a ban on this virus. 
And then the, the second part of the, the dream talks about a revival that happened, a revival of restoration, a revival between the, the Spanish people and the indigenous people of that day, restoration and healing actually taking place. And we've got, you know, with some of our prophetic voices like Blake Healy, he had a dream and he saw some top of the mountain with Jesus and he saw a wound in Atlanta. It was this red wound in our city. And he said, I think Jesus looked at him and said, follow me or something like that. And Jesus walked in to the wound of our city. He walked in to the racial wound of our city. When you know what God is saying, nothing matters more than that. All right. So, and one of the things that we want as Bethel Atlanta, we want to commit to is as we walk into the wound of our city, we want to commit to a lifetime of healing, a lifetime of restoration. We're ready for our black friends to feel the same way that I felt my whole life. I've never walked into a, a situation, God, I wonder what they think about me because of my skin color. And so many of my black friends, they think about it all the time, every situation they're in. We want to see an end to this. And we want to see restoration. And we know in the process of restoration, and we know as Bethel Atlanta, this isn't just a cute moment in time in history. We're like, we're not doing the 15 minutes thing as Americans. We're not getting that knee-jerk reaction of what the news is saying. This is how our culture is reacting to everything. It's like, what, what are they saying? Oh, what are they saying? I have a new thing to worry about. I have a new thing to get fearful about. No, we're committed to a lifetime of healing. We want to see something change for the future generations, for our kids' kids. Again, we've already seen some breakthrough, but there's more to be had. There's more to be had. I'm so thankful for the breakthroughs that we have seen, but there's more, guys. And we can't ignore that. And we know that in a lifetime of healing, we know that mourning is a process of healing. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And we will, and this is one thing that we are committing to as Bethel Atlanta. We want to commit to, we will listen to your pain. We will hear your stories. We want to know you. We want to see you in a powerful, um, empowered through the God-given cultural call, gifting, and anointing on your life as black people in America. This is what we're looking for. And we want to commit to that. And then we get to some real obscure scriptures in the Bible, which I love. Ephesians, uh, pardon me, let's go with uh, 2 Corinthians 10 first. For we do not wrestle against, pardon me, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine powers to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Being ready to punish every disobedience 
then your obedience is complete. And Ephesians 6, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Where's our battle? Tell me, where's our battle? It's in the heavenlies. Our battle's in the heavenlies. America needs to end its love affair with a bad guy. We love bad guys. My daughter just said we do. You're raising the Stockman home. All right. The political spirit needs a bad guy. This is what the political spirit does, is it drives, you are the bad guy, you're the bad guy, Trump's the bad guy, Obama's the bad guy, here's the bad guy, here's the other bad guy, the Republicans are the bad guy, the Democrats are the bad guy. That political spirit needs a bad guy. Jump off the bad guy train. The weapon isn't there. I don't mean we don't have convictions about things God has called us to. But when we turn that into a face and a person, we're partnering with the evil one. We're partnering with the devil, the adversary. I don't mean we don't call sin, sin. You call bad things bad. But when we start demonizing people, we've partnered with the devil. We've partnered with the enemy, guys. And we are not of the enemy's camp. We're actually supposed to destroy the works of the devil. And I'm yelling at you. I love you all so much. I love you all so much. You are my favorite humans. You are my favorite humans. But we got to get rid of this bad guy spirit. And again, guess what? We've all have sinned and fallen short of the God, glory of God. Guess what? You started out as a bad guy. Every human born started out as a bad guy. And we received the gospel of Jesus Christ that we were born again into life abundantly as sons and daughters of the living God. Those that are to release life. Yes, we stand up for justice. We stand up for morality. We stand up for these things. But if we go around demonizing one another, we're never going to get there. We got to get out of the political spirit, guys, that needs a bad guy. It's a big deal. We're partnering with the enemy when we're doing that. And the thing is, guys, some of our beloved heroes started out as bad guys. Paul was in charge of a genocide towards Christians. Paul the Apostle, they wrote 13 books of the New Testament. Super bad guy. Became a good guy. And when our hearts of intercession get off of the, the choice, again, abortion is evil. But when we get off of the choice and we start pointing that towards one another, racism is evil. But when we get off of this thing and say, you're evil, we've agreed with the principalities and powers. We've actually stepped in to this place and we need a chiropractic adjustment here as a nation. Jeez, I didn't mean to get so fired up. All right. And again, our, our beloved David. Murderous, adulterous, someone that can't confront their own sons. Ha! Ah! He's one of my greatest heroes. Greatest heroes. 
Guess what God calls him? What did God name David? Man after God's heart. He's a pretty bad guy in those situations. Again, when we view each other in this type of a way, we begin to partner with the enemy. We gotta stop, part. we gotta back this train up, guys. And it starts in our attitude. Again, we can call something wrong. We are called to stand up for justice and righteous. We can say, this is wrong. But this is actually how it affects us, and I'm gonna end with this, because I'm hot and you're all hot. How it affects us is it ends up into our attitudes when you believe someone is a bad guy. Your attitude is a key component that partners with your mind, will, and emotions and also partners with the spirit realm because attitudes lock into your belief systems. So when you have a bad attitude towards another human, it begins to partner with the spirit realm in such a way that it creates uh, a way for the enemy to begin to torment you and cause you to speak death out of this beautiful tongue that he's given you to speak life. All right, say I'm okay, I think. All right, well, I'm not gonna have time to go into the other part. So I wanna end again, just we have a call, guys. We have a call. And our call is in first and foremost in intercession, in partnering with heaven to see his kingdom come to America, to see his kingdom come to Mexico, to Canada, to Spain, to different countries, to different continents all over the world, and to come to our city. And how we want to do this, how we want to partner with intimacy with God is through right now this apostolic dream that Lindy had we want to connect with God in this place of intimacy. Again, if you don't pray from a place of intimacy, you get real weird. So we pray from a place of intimacy, but then we also have this place of putting a, a ban, being persistent, saying no to this virus in the name of Jesus. We also are committing to this revival of restoration. And guys, we're so thankful that as this begins to get healed, you guys, I am so expectant of thousands and thousands and thousands of people in our city, in Atlanta, in our county, in Fayette County, to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, to step out of darkness into light. And again, that should be the prayer for our presidents. That should be the prayer for our Congress people. This should be the prayer for our nation is that people would step out of darkness into light and have a belief that God can change anybody's heart. Stand up with me, because you're real hot, and I have one minute to really end. So I just want you to put your hand out in front of you. Jesus, right now, we want to commit as a Bethel Atlanta family to first intercession to say a no to this virus. We just say, we put a ban on this virus. Coronavirus, stop in your tracks. Stop in the name of Jesus. We're asking for a miracle. A miracle. And we also say we're committed to restoration. We're committed to listen to our brothers and sisters. We're committed to listen to our black community. We're committed to hear your pain. We're committed to walk into the mourning process with you. 
We're committed to weep with those that weep. We're also committed to see revival in our great nation. I just bless America. I say you're blessed. You're the land of the free and the home of the brave. We just ask for the brave Christians to rise up with voices that don't demonize one another, that don't look at one another as bad guys, but step up and say, I'm praying. I'm praying for justice. I'm praying for righteousness. I'm praying for purity to come over our nation. We just stand in the gap. We take our place on the wall as Bethel Atlanta. Say, I take my place on the wall of Bethel Atlanta. All right, now put your hand on my heart, your hand on your heart. And Holy Spirit, we just thank you through just our call, through persistent prayer. You're so happy to pour your Holy Spirit out on us. Holy Spirit, we're so thankful for you. Holy Spirit, you're the greatest treasure. Jesus said, it's better for me to go away that you might have the Holy Spirit. We receive you right now, Holy Spirit, for a fresh baptism of fire, a fresh baptism of love, a fresh baptism of your goodness. We say our ears are open. Thank you for wiping the scratches off our lenses of bad guys and seeing people as you see people. Those that are, pretend, are potentially Paul's and David's in our nation. So thank you, Jesus. And I just bless our community with you, Holy Spirit. Fall on their homes. For everybody that's at home, I say, Holy Spirit, show up. Show up. Show up. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you, guys. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.